How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another week of uh, TLDR Podcast. We, is this 89, boys? Or we, we haven't hit the 90 quote, right? 89. 89. The one before 89. 89. Um, it, it's just kind of a, you know, another just normal week. Or is it? No. It's not a normal week. We got we got we got a crazy week. We got uh, we got players coming out of retirement in the NFL. We <laughs> like randomly we have the MLB is back. The MLB is playing their season, the full season at that. Come on, let's go! And the most anticipated time of the of this week is our final battle royale for the for the fast food for James fast food segment is finally going to come to an uh, come to an end here. Um, that that alone is overlooking the uh, the last week of the NHL before t- uh, trade deadline. This is a busy week, guys. This is a very busy week. Um, and I guess I want to I want to start with you, Tyler. We got some great news. Um, over, was it over the weekend? I believe. Um, I, I mean, you had to have been excited, but you know, tell us about what your thoughts are. And and uh, I know you're going to get into it, but I guess high level, what are your thoughts about? the MLB coming back yeah obviously I'm stoked I'm relieved honestly it was more of just relief and it feels like we can kind of get back to normal because you know normally during this time you you know we'd be watching spring training games we'd be getting those, those spring training updates all those things that are normal around this time of year didn't have it it was just this dark cloud of the CBA talk and that finally happened that we finally got the notification that baseball will be played and it just felt like clear skies we're back to normal baseball's back uh, spring training started yesterday on Sunday. We got images of spring training and baseball players being back. And it's just, it's all, it's fantastic. So I, I feel more like just at peace and just, okay, we're well now we're like normal again and we can just, it's, it's all back to how it should be. So I was obviously thrilled, ecstatic. Um, I honestly didn't really care about the, the, the details. We'll get into that later at the moment. I was just happy it's back. I'm like, happy, I'm happy they agreed. I'm happy that baseball's back. That's all I care about. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's 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 awesome. Um, I guess you're not going to learn how to cook without HelloFresh. You're not going to play golf. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not. I'm not bettering uh, myself. I'm not. I'm not doing any of that bullshit. Yeah, you're not doing any of that. <laughs> but you, you are still probably going to drink. That is yes, not, that, that is probably, probably true. Drink. Yes, that is true. Um, so at least you could pull one thing that James told you to do. <laughs> yeah, we, but you know, we but but I can I can do the Babe Ruth challenge with like live baseball instead of that. You know, exactly, so it's yeah. even better. James, come to opening field. day. Let's do it Open, together. Opening day. Opening day. Opening day. Are the uh, angels opening at home? Yes, they are. Yes, they August are. August 7th. We'll be Me there. And going. Nice. We'll, we'll be there. there. James, <laughs> in, your, in your favorite sport, you got some crazy-ass news. Um, after 40, I believe it was 40 days, which is, you know, just shy of how old he is in years, Tom Brady <laughs> came out of retirement that, I mean, to you is unexpected. To some, it was like, okay, like, when, like when's it actually going to happen? But yeah, um, you legitimately were surprised. And I think a lot of us were. Uh, and so, uh, you know, what, what, what are your initial thoughts? Like, Well, I mean, like I've been telling everybody that you brought up to me myself is that I've been saying everybody's going to be back. And so when he actually did come back, you were like, what are you, why are you so surprised? Like why you said he was going to come back. And like, to be honest, guys, I did not think he was going to be back. I was just saying shit to say shit. Seriously. Cause you know, it was the fun thing to say at the time. And I was taken aback from it. I texted the group as soon as it happened. I was like, Tom Brady's out of retirement. And none of the guys believe me. Clayton was like, yo, where's your proof for that? And like, it's like sarcastic, like it's actually being a little tweet. asshole about like me being wrong and just messing up. But no, I sent the tweet and Tyler and Trayden were like, oh yeah, he yep. is back. He's back. And I mean, good for him. It's, he's just, it's going to be another year of him not winning again because the Buccaneers just aren't going to be that good. And the AFC is going to take over the NFL. 
no, AFC is just too good. I, I think I think I could agree on that. Um, but it, you know, I, I guess for some, dependent what I know, he's a love love it or hate it type of guy. Um, you know, he it seemed to me that what happened with the with the report coming out before he came before he came out and said something, I think that kind of peeved him. And um, he's just and I think you said this, James. He's like, watch him come back and win a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying he's going to win a Super Bowl, but watch him come back. He's going to come back and try to make a run at it uh, just to smite them. Like, he, Dude, he, to, be, to be honest, I don't know if it was like the report that made him come back. I think Giselle honestly made him go to like Target and Whole, Whole Foods or Whole Home Goods on a Sunday. And he was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. No <laughs> yeah. I'm hey, going back enough. to the league. I'd rather be hit by 30 pound lineman than go do a day fair of shopping. Enough. Fair enough. Um, that, that's fair. But hey, we're not talking about that this week. Um, I just wanted to, you know, bring that news up. James, we're gonna we're gonna dive into this. We're gonna fit. We're gonna, you know, finish this segment of yours. I want you to just take it over. We actually have food in front of us, so this is actually like a, a live uh, a finale. This will be exciting, guys. Fast food finals. But before we get in the final, you know, matchup we have going on here, we're gonna talk third place. This should be a quick and easy one. Jack in the box versus In and Out. Who wins and why? Tyler. Um, I'm going to go in and out again. Uh, really proud of Jack in the box making the final four, uh, but they will not make the podium uh, in and out in this matchup does win. As he said, as trade, I think said, Mr. Ole reliable. Uh, you can always count on in and out, just giving you a good quality burger. There's tons of locations. It's kind of the go-to, I think road trip spot, especially if you're in California. Um, so yeah, I got to go in and out. Yeah. I mean, we don't even need a third. We don't even one of our women here to, 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 to stamp that uh, gold medal onto on in and out. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a landslide for me. It's not even close. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I, I digress. In and out takes third place. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for the moment you've all been waiting for, drum roll, please. That's really, you can't even hear that. So, oh, fuck. That is a drum roll. <laughs> Insert drum Chick- roll. <laughs> Insert drum roll here. Chick fil A versus Chipotle. And like Traden mentioned, we do have food right in front of us. So if you are watching the YouTube or on Spotify or whatever, Chipotle versus Chick-fil-A. I have a rubric so we can uh, make sure that this is all fair and dating, not just based off emotions. I have a rubric on five topics. <laughs> uh, it's going to be presentation, smell, taste, mouthfeel, and the emotion that it evokes from you after eating it. And this is going to be graded on a scale of one to five. I like mouth. One being... <laughs> mouthfeel. Isn't that just texture? <laughs> yeah, texture. You know what I mean. Come on, bro. Mouthfeel is a better way to say it. The scale of one to five, one being never touched again, and five being mouthwater. So that's a pretty cool scale here. Okay. Uh, I had each of the guys kind of decide what we're going to get because we're all going to get the same thing here. So we can all judge it really well. Uh, Trade was in charge of Chick fil A. So what did we get from Chick fil A? Uh, from Chick fil A, excuse me, Chick fil A, we kept the pretty simple guys. Uh, I mean, I, I guess as simple as it, as it can be, we just got the standard, uh, standard deluxe chicken sandwich. No, no frills, no changes to it. Um, along with Chick-fil-A sauce and the waffle fries. To me, this is kind of a, the, the, the most neutral meal. So I thought, while it's not my go-to, while it's probably none of your guys' go-tos, this is, a, this is one that is probably, you know, it, it, it just, is just the most neutral we can get kind of a, an, an equal, you know, taste for it. And I think, and Tyler, you'll probably um, you'll attest to this when you talk about yours. To do to to get something that's not within your normal wheelhouse, it, it, yeah, then you can really critique the food without having some bias in there. So, I like that. 
And Tyler, what did we get from Chipotle? All right, from Chipotle, going on the kind of theme of the most popular orders um, from Chipotle, I decided the same thing with uh, Chipotle. Also didn't want to do chicken, so I want to kind of mix it up a little bit. So we're doing the carnitas burrito, brown rice, black beans, uh, cheese, uh, the green chili salsa, and uh, sour cream in there, along with the side of chips, chips and guac, because you you've got to have guac if you go to Chipotle. I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it in the meal or on the side, but since we're doing side, I decided to do the side of chips and guac there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get down and uh, do it. And uh, let's start, let's start eating because I'm starving. All right, guys, viewers, listeners out there. If you want to go ahead and do this with us, pause it here, go get that order that we had just said, and we'll do this together. We'll have this experience together. It'll be fun. I Beautiful. promise. <laughs> we're going to start off with Chick-fil-A here because Chick-fil-A in alphabetical order is next. So we'll just bring it out here. <laughs> so we got the fries right here. And then we also have a sandwich. Yes, sir. There's a lot of rumbling going on. Sorry about that. We didn't really plan this out. <laughs> so the first thing, <laughs> the first little topic on our rubric is presentation. And again, this is on a scale of one to five. So if everybody just shows their little presentation of their sandwich and fries. Some fries fell out. But oh, he, he's lying. He ate it. Liar. So based off presentation, trading one to five. Uh you know, I, I'm gonna just keep it a three. I mean, it's it's not like it's 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 <laughs> it's gonna kind of weird, no pun intended. It's not out of the box, even though the even though the sandwich is in a box. <laughs> uh, but but it's not, you know, it 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 doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be amazing. They're just trying to keep it, you know, they're just trying to keep it um keep it simple, stupid. Um, so I'm just going to give it a three. There's nothing that's amazing about it, but it's not like it looks like it's dog shit either. Tyler, what do you rate it at? Yeah, I'm also going to go with three. Like I said, it's nothing, nothing that's spectacular, but it's very well done. It's very well packaged. Um, I don't think there's a ton. I don't, I don't, I hate some restaurants that give just, just an absolute waste of paper and shit. Like I think Chipotle gives, or sorry, uh, Chick-fil-A gives you the perfect amount of, of packaging. Um, yeah, and it's good. The colors are nice, nice red, red and white logos all everywhere. It all looks colorful. It's very aesthetically pleasing. I like that all the sauces have different colors too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's just uh, so yeah. I'm 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 gonna give it a good solid three. Okay, because this is the finals, I'm actually gonna give my opinion on this one. I'm gonna give this a four, mainly because if you look closely at the sandwich, you see all the individual ruffles of the lettuce, which is really cool, and then like the cheese is a good color as well. It's a American cheese, which I wouldn't really prefer, but it is, it comes with a sandwich. And then also the tomato looks very crisp. Very happy with that. I'm giving that a four. That's fair. Next up is smell. When do you guys smell it? One to five. Tyler, you go first. Of smell, I'm actually, I'm going to go with a five on this one. Uh, I think Chipotle has, was definitely one of the most, is you smell it in your mouth immediately be, begins the water. Um, and I think it's kind of across the board, but I would say this guy right here, the Chick-fil-A sauce, smell of that man that 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 gets you excited um so what i think it's chick-fil-a sauce i don't know but it's delicious whatever <laughs> whatever it is i don't know i don't know what they put in there uh it's very unique about it too it's like it's got a texture it's got a, it's got a consistency that really i've never really seen anywhere else honestly um so yeah so smell i'm gonna i'm gonna go five with chick-fil-a i mean chick-fil-a's got it just smells so so good <laughs> Trading. i'm gonna say four i mean i mean um very similar to what tyler said i mean I, I love the smell of, I love the smell of, uh, of Chick-fil-A in the morning or in the afternoon. <laughs> um, 
And, and you know, once you open the box, it you can it it immediately hits the the uh, your nose, and it's it's you're ready to go. And, and as you guys know, a lot of taste comes from the from the smell, and you know, it tastes heaven or smells heavenly, and it tastes just as heavenly in my opinion. I'm going to give this a four as well. I think that especially the Chick-fil-A sauce has a very distinct smell to it. Yes. And once you smell it, you like know exactly what you're going to get because of just operant conditioning or whatever. Like every time you smell that smell, it's so unique to Chick-fil-A that you know you're going to get something good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give that a four. And now for the moment we've all been waiting for, especially Tyler and Trey yes. who are hungry because I've been eating and they're weird. We're going to go for taste. So first we're going to take a bite of the burger or the sandwich. The Chick-fil-A sauce. And by the way, do you guys put the Chick-fil-A sauce? Where do you guys put it? I put top. it in there. I put it in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Is there okay, cool. I'm usually use I'm Some usually have dip buff it. sauce. That's so. weird. If yeah. if you dip a sandwich, you're weird. Audrey's <laughs> like, the Audrey sandwich is just like that. What do you mean? What's different? Yeah. I mean, oh, there's a pickle. I forgot there's a pickle in this one. That's good. Mm-hmm. Do you not usually get the deluxe? No, just go spicy. No, I, I always always get deluxe, man. I always get spicy deluxe. Mmm, <laughs> moist chicken, great chicken. Check out good combination of flavors all the way around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of pickles, um, but so normally if I was to do it, I would get no pickles, but I'm doing it with the pickles this time, so it's consistent. I think pickles are just a stab in the mouth for me i'm not i'm the biggest pickle guy but i mean everything else about it the bun bun's fantastic obviously the 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 chicken i don't know what the hell they do with the chicken but it's just so moist and so good all the time um i think for me that that's what makes chick-fil-a stand out have you guys tried the fries yet yeah the fries are just not they're not doing it for me right now really Hmm. yeah just something about it it could be the waffle thing because it could be because you like the mac yeah I do like the mac and cheese. The mac and cheese is phenomenal on that. All right, trading. Let's go one to five on a, for the sandwich and the fries and the Chick-fil-A sauce. I'll put together. What'd you rate this? I'm rating it a four. I mean, it's it, it's not blow. It, I mean, it's not absolutely blow your socks off, but but Chick-fil-A is 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 above is above par, and it always it always will be. the The, the chicken is very moist, and to me, part of the reason that I don't like other chicken places is because they're almost overly breaded. And the mm. Chick-fil-A sandwich is never overly breaded. I mean, there's just enough of the crispy of, of the crispy to get the flavors in there, but it's not overbearing. And maybe that's part of the reason I don't like canes as much, because I think there's just a little bit more breading in the canes, maybe, you know, just a little bit. Um, it's just very thin and you get right to the, the meaty part of the chicken. And that's why I like Chick-fil-A better in that respect. And that's why it's it's easy for maybe four and a half. Wow. Tyler. Now, are we doing just solid numbers or are we doing decimal? Numbers? I was just doing solid numbers. It's easier for me to calculate. All right, cool. So we're going four for trading. All right. Uh, I will also go four. Um, like I said, it, it's it's very consistent. Um, I, I Like I said, the deluxe is where it's at because you get you get the, the, the compliments of all the other items in there, the tomato, lettuce. You know, just, just the straight up Chick-fil-A sandwich is, is fine too. But I think really putting everything together, that's what makes a sandwich great, right? It's, it's everything else that goes into it, not just the meat. Um, so I think Chick-fil-A does a really great job of putting just enough of that extra stuff. You know, some places put a, an obscene amount of lettuce on their, on their burgers or sandwiches or something. It's just like, why is there so much lettuce on here? That's just all I taste. Everything is great. I think they, they do a really good job of ratioing everything together with the, obviously the, the chicken being the, the uh, main source of your palate there. So it's always great. I have to agree with you there. I'm also going to go with a four. 
but the one thing I wanted to add is the bun. The bun is always going to be super soft. And no matter what you get, I've gone to Chick-fil-A for years. The bun is so soft. And Trayton, to kind of go to your point about the chicken being as good as it is, I think it's because of the peanut oil, man. The peanut oil fries it at such a high temperature that it's continued, like it cooks it. And then the inside is still moist. It still keeps that moisture inside, making the chicken so damn good. So on that, we went fours all the way around the board. And now to mouthfeel slash texture, but I like mouthfeel better. Scale one to five. Trading. It's five. I five just, you, you, bite, you bite into that chicken. You bite into all the other veggies. There's not much more to say. It's just, it's just heaven, man. It's just heaven. I'm also gonna have to go with five on the on the on the texture. I think that is what makes for me probably my favorite part about Chick-fil-A is the texture of the chicken, is the texture of the of the bun, of everything, man. It just it it's it just crunches in your mouth. It's a perfect a little bit of crunch on, on the breading, but then that moist chicken and everything else, man. It is just it is the it is the best fast food, I think, sandwich you can get out there in terms of texture. I'm gonna have to go with three, guys. Mm. reason being is that you look at it and it's exactly what you get it's nothing superb it's nothing like you see it and you're like i'm probably going to get this in my mouth that pause that was bad but yes <laughs> that's exactly what happens like you look yeah. at it you taste it and the mouth what you feel is literally what you see there's nothing that spectacular about it the right. bun looks soft the chicken looks moist and that's what you see and that's what you get so it's going to be a three for me and last but not least we're looking at emotion here does this make you happy? Does this make you sad? What does it make you feel? Trading <laughs> like a number as well. Yeah, it could be a number. Sure. I Same. mean, I mean, when I when I when I chant, I chant to go to this place. Yeah, that's, okay. I said last I, I, that's a five, and and I, and I <laughs> eat it, and it and it always meets expectations, like all the time. So it's a five. <laughs> like, it makes me so happy to go there. Y'all are just not good at garden. It's always a five. It's, it is. I mean, it, I mean, what can I say? Okay. I'm actually, actually going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to go with a three as far as Chick-fil-A goes. Um, I'm not as ecstatic about Chick-fil-A as, as, as other fast food places, especially with, with, when it comes to chicken. As I said, it's an amazing chicken sandwich. Um, it, it, it is fantastic, but um, emotionally, I don't get as excited about it as, as, as some other places if, I, if I'm comparing it, but I don't get, I'm not mad about it either. Like I love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is great. So like for me, it's a three, like I'm pretty, I'm not overly ecstatic about it. I'm not bummed about it. I just, I think like kind of what James mentioned is kind of what you expect. It's kind of, it's just good, solid food. Um, so I'm going to go three in terms of emotion for Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go three as well. Actually, I'm going to go with two. Oh, reason being is because Chick-fil-A is great. And I eat a lot of Chick-fil-A, so by the time I'm done, I feel like ass. I just, I feel groggy. I feel full. I feel slow because I've had seven sandwiches and two shakes. And so I'm just like, I can't, I can't function right now. So two it is for me. Well, why are you eating that much food, bro? Yeah, that's kind of a you thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's the emotion that it books out of me. So therefore, sure. that's what I'm going with. Well, the emotion must be really high because you're getting seven sandwiches and it just plummets. Yeah. <laughs> just a typical James thing. It's just, I eat food, get happy, then just get sad. <laughs> just how my life happens. <laughs> Traded. I need your calculator for this one, buddy. We're gonna add this all up and have a total. Ready? Oh gosh. <laughs> all right. The dude that works with numbers all the time. 10, 13, 12, 13, and 10. Oh shit. Hold on. Try again. Oh my god. Oh. 10 plus 13 plus 12 plus 13 plus 10. 58. 58. So Chick-fil-A has a score of 58. 
Now moving on to Chipotle, ladies and gentlemen. And for some reason, Tyler decided to get a burrito. And I, I haven't had a burrito from Chipotle in a very, very, very long time. I'm more of a bold kind of guy because it's just a lot easier to eat. See that you with forks. But here we are. But we also have chips, chips and guac, so that's good. It's coming yeah. from the guy that gets like two James, burritos on a Sunday. I, I'm a bull guy. Go bull every single time we go to Chipotle. Me too. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big, big chicken bowl guy. Um, so that's originally was my plan. But I decided, hey, let's do something a little bit different too. Kind of, kind of, especially when it comes to the grades, like let's, let's do something a little bit different and kind of not have any expectations. I've never had a carnitas burrito from Chipotle. So it's going to be a first time I've had this specific burrito. So I think this will be fun versus like, you know, the, the Chick-fil-A sandwich I've had a million times. So um, I'm excited to kind of grade this because this is going to be, like I said, first time I've ever tried a carnitas burrito from Chipotle. So should, should be fun. One thing I do have to say, I picked up this burrito and it's hefty. Like yeah. it, it, feels, it feels like a pound. I'm very happy for it. Very happy with it. The guac looks amazing. It smells great. Chips. Uh, something about the Chick-fil-A or the Chipotle chips, by the way, is great. Oh, yeah. They are, it's they, like they, they seasoned it differently. It has lime on it. It's that lime on there. Yeah. Okay, before we start chomping into stuff that, you know, Chain Rate did, let's take a presentation here. Open up your burrito, see what it looks like. Give it a scale of one to ten. Mine is personally a little messy. And Trayden has a bowl. What? <laughs> you idiot. I ordered. Okay. Okay. If you, yeah, I'm going to show everyone who's watching. On my little thing, it says right there, it says burrito. It doesn't say burrito bowl. The sticker on top of your burrito bowl top says burrito, and they and they made a burrito bowl. So uh, if we're going to go into presentation, this is an easy one right now i mean oh, one. Look, okay look look i know that's not really fair i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna make it a two because it's not really fair that they fucked up the order but because you're not we're not grading on customer service but they did fuck up the order and this does not look like a burrito this looks like a burrito bowl <laughs> wow <laughs> all that's, right there we go that's bad <clears throat> tyler tyler's holding his up like a little prize yeah. baby yeah here's my wow this looks perfect that's beautiful isn't it that's a, that's a wonderful <laughs> they know how to burrito. wrap them dude they know yeah. how to wrap Way to go, Marina Del Rey Chipotle. Congratulations. Best wrap burrito <laughs> in the state. In the state. <laughs> what are you, you going to rate it? Um, okay, so in terms of the presentation of the food, it's of the burrito itself, and I would put chick and bowls in general. And, and I, would, I would probably give it a four as well. I mean, I think uh, it, I, what I like about Mexican food too is just the colors and everything. Like, it's just, there's so many great colors, and it just looks so appetizing just to look at. Um, so... Burritos, obviously, you, it's just wrapped in tortillas. So you can't really see what's inside yet, but that kind of makes it exciting. Um, so it's like a present for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Uh, but you know, normally with the bowls and stuff too, like it's just everything looks so good. Uh, packaging wise, maybe not as um, um, aesthetically pleasing as Chick Fil A is um, in terms of the colors and everything like that. It's just normal, you know, tin foil and paper bags. Um, but they don't really need to be that fancy because the food's amazing. So. I'm going to go That's four. True. Going four. I'm going to go with three for mine because if I open mine up, it's a little messy. I mean, people, I just got sour cream on my finger. <laughs> Tastes great. But it's just everywhere, man. It just it gets messy. So I'm going to give mine a three. Mm. Moving on to smell. What do you guys think, Tyler? As I chop into a Chick-fil-A fry. Um, <laughs> smell. Honestly, I'm probably just going to give it a three. Um, there's not a whole lot of smell to it, honestly, unless you like really get your nose in there. It just smells uh, like tortilla. Yeah, it just smells like a tortilla. <laughs> <And you walk. laughs> 
Gawk smells nice. Like I said, the 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 chips do smell really good. I think that's probably the the one thing that does smell the probably the best and, and hits your nostrils the the, the most there. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say the smell really really intrigues anything. Not at least compared to what Chick Fil A did. So I think I gave Chick Fil A a four on the smell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go one down for that. I'm gonna give it a three. Trading. So here's my balancing act because I have the bowl. And I, oh. and I shit on it on the presentation. I get to I get to give it a little something, something on the smell. And wow, it's a four easy. I mean, because I get, I smell I smell the 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 bean. You smell the the, the carnitas in there. You smell the beans in there. You smell the 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 green to, uh, tomatillos. Uh, was it is it tomatillos or green chili sauce or green, green chili, chili sauce? sauce. Um, it is. I mean, it just smells excellent. Every bowl I feel like smells that whenever I open my own. So um, I'm gonna give it a four, and that's kind of my balancing act with that too. That uh, that uh my presentation got i agree with you i'm gonna go four even though i just smell tortilla with the with the burrito it smells like a good tortilla like you know when you have those shit tortillas and you smell it and you're like ah i don't know about that you smell this and you're like damn i can't wait to eat that and then the guac man the guac you can smell you can smell everything you can smell the I onions you can smell the cilantro not like guac i do now you can smell the lime and that they put on top of it it's phenomenal guac so that in and of itself makes it a four and last but not, or not last but not least, but to the moment we've all been waiting for, we're going to go taste. Mm-hmm. Trayden went guac first, and I will too. And I think Tyler's been eating his guac like a yeah, maniac. Sorry. So. sorry. Hmm. Uh, oh, Big guac I know. Fun fact. That's good. I like it. So if anybody really knows me, this is news to you. I love guac. I love avocado. Used to hate it. Okay, I'm going to start with the food, with the taste. I don't even get this meal, and it's a four. It's, it, I mean, it, it's, and, and, and it, it's so good. The, the rice, even though I don't get, I, I get, I don't get brown rice, I get white rice, it's so good. I always get black beans, so that's great. Every single salsa that I've ever tasted is good. It's missing some key components that I normally would, but I still can taste the, the, the carnitas just, just, you know, they're seasoned well. The guac's always, always fantastic. The chips are, you know, have that lime taste. It doesn't completely blow my socks off, but it is, it is so damn good. Um, so I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I must be going next to Tyler has a mouthful. <laughs> so luckily for me, as soon as I got to uh, Chipotle, because I actually have to DoorDash my Chick-fil-A to make this all work. So I went to the Chipotle to get it. And they just put out a fresh batch of carnitas. And I've like, Ooh. just like trading, I don't normally get carnitas at Chipotle. I get steak or chicken. So today I was branching on trying something new. And damn, this carnitas is so good. Mm-hmm. And I love, just the, the tortilla, like I just talked about before, it kind of makes or breaks a lot of burritos based on the fact that it encapsulates everything. And it's in literally every single bite. It's good. It's a good tortilla. I don't know what they do differently, but it's not the same tortilla you get at Albertsons or Safeway. Right? right? Yeah, but it's a, it's a different kind of tortilla that's just so much better for burritos. It's not the ones you get at the store because the ones you get at the store kind of suck. This is great. I'm going to go four. I'm going to... And Tyler. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm also going to go four. Clean, clean fours across the board. You know, like I said, the carnitas, it is phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to probably get carnitas a little bit more often. I mean, it, it was really, really good, really tasty. Uh, you could probably just have it on its own and just and just have that. Um, yeah, again, one of my favorite things about uh, Mexican food in general, and Chipotle does a great job of it, is just everything that encompasses it, all the different flavors. Um, 
it's it all just goes so well together and i think chick-fil-a does or sorry chipotle does enough of a phenomenal job but i at least to me it tastes as far as fast food goes very fresh um it always tastes solid like just really good quality food there at uh, chipotle so um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go a big solid four there for, for taste Wars are along the board again just like we did with chick-fil-a now we can move on to mouthfeel or t- texture what do you guys have and why Go ahead, Tyler. Mm. I'm going to go five. Here's the reason why. Again, especially with tortillas and burritos, like that's what it's all about. Like you go in there and you want everything to complement each other well. And I think every, the, 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 the meat is tender. Everything's warm. Um, everything just is the texture wise is everything you want in a Mexican food meal. Um, beans are great. Rice is great. There's nothing, you know, there's not that none, none of the rices are, are, are crunchy or weird or, or hard. Um, it's, it's everything you want. The guac is fantastic. I've actually, I haven't had guac just on its own with chips from here in a while. What? Oh yeah. I usually put the guac on top of my bowl is what I usually yeah. do. Um, but I, I have, but I haven't had it on its own and this guac is phenomenally good i kind of forgot how good their guac is just on its own um that that is a five out of five guac right there so yeah i'm i'm gonna go five i agree with you buddy i go with five as well mainly because there's a lot of different textures in this it's like you got the rice you got the beans you have the the different meat you have and if you don't like meat you can get sofritas like you can get a lot of different things at chipotle that will complement the burrito inside this great tortilla that i will keep talking about because the tortilla is like chewy but not so tough. It's just, it's a great tortilla. And when it comes to the guac and I'm, I'm a, I'm pretty new to guac, but the guac itself is good, man. Like the way it just, it, the texture of it is great, super smooth and has that chunk to it. Every once in a while that you want, because you don't want just super chunky or super smooth guacamole. You want some that's right in the middle. And that's exactly what it is. Perfectly done every single time. The chips always super salty, always super crispy, never done wrong. It's like almost on par with Chili's chips because Chili's Chili's has some great chips, man. I don't know if they do with Chili's with Chili <laughs> chips or where it's at. It's on par with that. So I'm going to go with five. Yeah, me too. Um, like you guys said, the, the textures of all the different types of, uh, you know, parts and ingredients of the of the meal are, are right there. Um, and no bite is a dull moment. And, you know, I think that's kind of it. I mean, you look, even when you look at the bowl, kind of t- to, to what James said, you know, you, 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 you can see what you're getting, but you, you can't see everything. So when you do take that bite, you're, you, you're like, oh, I taste the salsa on that one. Oh, I taste if you get, cor- excuse me, if you get corn, you get the cheese, you get the, the, the lettuce in some cases, like I get lettuce typically. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's a five for me, man. That's a five for me, bro. All right. Last but not least, let's go emotions. Tyler, what do you have for me? Oh, I'm going to go four with Chipotle. Um, like Chipotle is, like I said, like lately been kind of my go-to thing. And it, I love how fast you get it and how good it is. It's, it's like a fast and really good quality um, meal. And I don't feel too bad about it because it, it's for the most, for fast food, a pretty healthy option. So you don't feel like absolute shit afterwards. I actually feel like pretty full and pretty satisfied without feeling like, like I, my, my, my arteries just got clogged type of deal with, with, which with, with some fast food definitely happens. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go four. I would, I would almost say five, but um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm like ecstatically over the moon about every time I have Chick-fil-A or, or Chipotle, I keep fucking doing that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's always solid. I'm, I'm always happy after I, I have Chipotle. I'm always excited to go to get to get my stuff. Like I said, like, especially when it's after work, I don't want to cook. Like the fact that I can just go pick it up real quick, get out, have my food and it's ready and it's good. Four. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say four as well. Um, because you know, I, I get, there's two different things I get depending on what I'm doing. So usually I'll go with a ball if I'm going home or if I'm going to eat at the, at the restaurant, but I've said this on the pod before it's right across the street from my, uh, from my AMC movie theater. This is my, this is the meal I sneak into the, into the, um, the burrito is what I sneak into the, into the, uh, movie theater. And how, what is better than to sit down, watch the previews and you are chomping on a nice tasty burrito and i'm ex- and ex- i'm so excited to watch the movie now because i'm like i don't even need popcorn i don't need any of the sp- expensive ass snacks i got much i got my uh, chipotle burrito um it, it 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 does give me um satisfaction every time so it's got to be a four i like that but i'm gonna go with five Ooh. a whole different a whole lot different than chick-fil-a is that it's like you don't really get two burritos or two bowls that's kind of looked down upon in society sometimes but you can get more than one sandwich which, right like whenever you go to chick-fil-a like oh i'll buy like six sandwiches in my sure. case seven but in chipotle when you go you're like can i have a burrito and it's weird because if you say can i get two of these they're like what's wrong with you and on top of that this is kind of like when it comes to fast food like tyler was saying this is relatively healthy it's rice it is really good cooked meat lettuce that has some equally sometimes but then there's like guac <laughs> and sometimes. like <laughs> yeah the beans are good for you too it, it's relatively good for you relatively healthy so when i'm done eating it I'm kind of full, but then I'm not feeling like crap. So it's a five for me. And that kind of wraps it up here for Chipotle. So trading, we got your math skills going on here. You ready? Yeah. Nine plus nine plus 12 plus 15 plus 13. I'm a, I think. 58. I'm a, Jesus Christ. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious. It's a deadlock. Oh my oh God. Oh my God. That's unreal. We need a tiebreaker. Uh, maybe not. I, th- I think I like the way this is ending. I think this is the, it's, it's a tie. Like they're both okay, great places to eat. So I think we're going to end it in a tie. Because wow. I don't know what else to do a tiebreaker for, man. Like Who would dessert, have but they don't do dessert. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. Y'all um, never saw that coming. No, I, I mean, that, that's kind of crazy. That's kinda that is pretty, <laughs> that is pretty wild that it came out to a tie. The only oh, way to have that is if we would have done a one to 10, but that would have been insane. So. Yeah, that's that's a weird scale. So one to one to five, it was. Uh, if you followed along from the get go, or if you followed along just from doing this and had your food with us, I hope you guys enjoyed it. That pretty much finishes up my fast food playoffs, and the winners are two of them: Chick Fil A and Chipotle. Who would have thought? Definitely not me. I uh, hope you guys liked it. Let us know, Traden. That's it for fast food playoffs. Buddy. All right, that was that was awesome. Thank you so much, James. That, I I had lots of fun, and now I am full. Um, good thing is we still have two more segments where we can you know speak and we can lose you know hopefully lose some of the uh, of the of the belly fat that I just uh, that I have going on right now. Um, all right, when we uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about the MLB. The MLB is back, guys. Uh, Tyler's gonna take us through um, this new CBA. Um, and, and, and all of it, uh, part of it, uh, some of the, the, the parts that were, um, came with that. So, uh, so stay tuned. I'm 
Welcome back. Um, thank you guys for uh, sticking with us through the uh, the finals for the fast food segment. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, it was it, you know it was all over the place. We had, we had a lot of fun with it, and to finish it off with it with an actual you know food with actual food was was extremely fun. Um, we hope you guys played along. Um, but we're, we're we're past that. We're gonna we're gonna look at we're gonna look at sports now. We're gonna look at the MLB guys. The MLB uh, the MLB and the MLB PA um figured out their differences i guess and and we have a cba um at least through how many years is it five 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 years um tyler i I know you were super excited so why don't you take it away and 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 cover the uh, cba for us yes thank goodness that this finally got happened that this finally got happened holy shit that this finally finally happened happened. i think i happened um yeah super super excited about it uh, again, it was one of those marathons, you, you know, I'm, I'm following this stuff on Twitter pretty closely and, um, it seemed like there was a deal done. And then all of a sudden there's this international draft that comes into play here and then they cancel another week of games because of it. And I'm like, if these two sides can't agree on a fucking international draft, I'm going to throw my phone out the window. Like I was just, I was over it. Um, but then the next day after they canceled, um, those, uh, an extra week of games, they reached an agreement. Um, and they put those that, that week back on the schedule. So baseball's back. Oh, uh, uh, spring training officially began began Sunday yesterday. Um, opening day is April seventh, um, and we're gonna have a full 162 game season. Um, so it's it's great for everybody involved. Um, uh, just for for I I, I did write an article on this that kind of went through all the, all the details, but just to kind of skim through kind of the the basic core components here. Uh, on, on the eco- on the economic side, which is always the main point of con- contention, um, the competitive balance tax, which kind of acts as kind of like a salary cap for baseball. Basically, if any team exceeds this threshold, they have to pay um, uh, a, a tax over it. Um, it'll increase from two hundred thirty million dollars to two hundred four two hundred forty four million dollars over o- over the five year CBA uh, minimum salary, which I think was probably one of the biggest wins for the players in this. Um, will increase to seven hundred k. Um, the previous was, uh, 550, uh, and that was the lowest of the four major sports. Um, so it kind of goes back into that, in that, into that, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, catches up with some of the other sports and it'll reach 780,000 by the fifth year. Um, another thing that was added, uh, was a, which was called an arbitration bonus pool. There's going to be $50 million within that for younger players who have not yet to reach arbitration. A lot of fancy terminology in there basically just means that players that are still under team control for the, for the top guys based on, on war and, and, and other statistics will get a chance to make more money based on their performance. And there's $50 million of that money that's up for grabs. Um, so that's another big win for the players. Um, so that's kind of the main stuff that took 99 days to figure it out. Um, but for the, for, but for us, the fans, the fans that are watching their product on the field, like what's going to be different. What are you guys going to notice? Um, and here are those points. So the postseason has been expanded from 10 teams to 12. Um, and we can get into the details of how that's going to work. But now we got basically two extra uh, teams that will, that will be in the postseason. Um, uniforms will feature advertising for the first time. I'm, we're seeing across most uh, major sports. Uh, MLB is now going to get into that game as well. Uh, the National League is now, do- is now adopting the, the designated hitter. So we have a universal DH which we've already seen come into play in uh, free agency here. Um, so that just, that just adds another slot for some hitters. Um, there's all, for the first time ever, there's going to be a draft lottery for the bottom six teams in the league. So it's not guaranteed if you tank and, and get the worst record that you're going to get that number one pick. 
It's going to be a lottery, just like a lot of other leagues do. Um, a player can only be optioned to the minor leagues for a maximum of five times in one season. That was a big point for the players, um, just for the you know player's lifestyle, like getting called up and called down so many different times can really take a toll on a player, especially over 140 game season. Um, so they've put a cap on that, that that can only happen five times. Um, Cause there's, you know, like for, for every team, there's always probably two or three players that are con- probably even more for some, for, for some teams that are constantly going up and down. So um, I think that's a good win for the players as well. And then lastly, there's going to be a 45 day window for major league baseball to implement all these new rules that they've been talking about, such as a pitch clock, banning shifts, and increasing the size of the bases starting next season. So none of those things I just mentioned will happen this year, but moving forward, they're going to have, they basically have a 45 day window window to implement those rules. So you will see those things like banning shifts, pitch clocks, uh, base, uh, bases getting bigger starting next year. So that's the main core part of the CBA um, that was decided and they, uh, they, they uh, read upon. So let's kind of get into some of those points there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the, uh, what the guys think here on, you know, what are some of these new changes that you like, some that you don't like, um, some that are that don't seem to make sense to you? Like kind of what are your thoughts on all these new rule changes, uh, trading? What do you got? Well, I'm going to start with the I'm, I'm going to start with the 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 expanded uh, or the the way that the, the the league play or interleague play is going to be implemented. So I don't know if you mentioned that, but but the interleague, they're going to change the interleague schedule where um, you're going to get you're going to see you're going to see teams from other, from other leagues more often. Um, and they're going to kind of rotate on a, on a one uh, or on a two-year basis. So they'll alternate between road and uh, road and home um, to play one, three game series each season. So, um, so the reason I like that is because, it, you, you know, teams over in the East coast, like, you know, that are not in the, in the AL, you know, only get to see Shohei Otani play like once every three or six years. Like that is not a way to build the game. So a a way to build the game is to have him have Mike Trout, have all these players. And I pick those because, you know, they're the angels, but you you can insert any superstar here and it it works the same way. Uh, You only get to see those players like every three years. And that just, that just doesn't grow the game. And and I also think that, you know, that it seems like there's a little bit more balancing act between how the, how you're going to, you know, run the sea, the, the season. And I think that that's just going to be better for the divisional races as well. Um, that the more balanced the schedule can be across the whole, you know, each team, the, the better view and, and, an idea of how good that team of those teams are in each division, it, you know, is. So uh, I, I actually, I think this is, it's a great way to make sure that, um, you know, Shohei Otani spreading the love to all parts, the all parts of MLB, um, among all the other superstars in the, uh, in the game. Yeah. I like that. It's, you know, one of those things that MLB hasn't done in a long time, you know, that other leagues do is like pretty much everyone plays everyone across the league, you know, uh, NBA, uh, and the NHL do that, uh, NFL, I know rotates a little bit out of, uh, uh, outside of their own division, but that's pretty much just, you know, they only have so many games that can play in a season that they can't hit everybody. Um, so MLB obviously has plenty of games to do that. They just, haven't done that. They just they kind of had you know National League, American League, and the and interleague plays a fairly new thing. It, I don't I can't remember exactly when it implemented, but definitely within the last twenty years, I believe. Um, so for the for most of its history, it's just been National League would only play each other, American League would only play each other, and the only time they would meet would be in the World Series. Um, that's why you saw things like you know the the DH and kind of different rules differently because they were they almost operated on kind of different uh, wavelengths. Um, so yeah, I think it's great. Like as you mentioned, I think mainly for the fans to see stars from other leagues that normally they wouldn't, you know? Um, so I think that's definitely going to be healthy for the game. Anything you didn't like 
or are you worried about kind of going forward trading? Um, I, I actually, what I didn't like, I, I don't know if we can even count this, but this, but the, the stuff that we're looking at for 2023, uh, does that, does that count? Cause yeah. uh, me, besides maybe the, maybe the pitching clock, which is I'm, I'm on the fence on it's the other two things that I think the game's changing, like in terms of base sizes and um, what was the other one? Remind me. Banning the shifts. Banning the shifts. Yeah, banning the shifts. It just seems like the game is really taking its focus away from the from baseball fans to create more offense for the casual fan. And if you look at his statistics, the game of baseball and the viewership has been declining. And you have to think that some of that is from legacy true baseball fans. And I know that they're trying to get more casual fans back, but when you're losing, first of all, you almost lost a bunch of uh, a bunch of, you know, legacy baseball fans to this stupid um, issue anyway. And now you're just artificially creating extra offense for a game that's been the same for however long. Now I know they're doing this all over all over sports, but you know, I, how how much is that extra? Is it, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe it, it's a lot, but how much is that extra? Um, you know, six inches on the base gonna gonna matter? It just, why are you, why are you doing things for the sake of just adding offense when, you know, we're, we're seeing waves of, of good, of good hitting, bad hitting, good pitching, bad pitching, let the game just kind of police itself. I mean, I think you're doing, you're, you're implementing two actual, um, too, too many actual changes to the game that I think you may, you may alienate OG baseball fans. Yeah. Um, it, that's an interesting point. I, I kind of go both sides on this battle because um, it is very strange. The, the, the shifts specifically have really kind of almost gotten out of hand the last few years. I mean, you'll see a left-hander up, you know, a Bryce Harper, that's like never going to hit the ball the opposite field. Um, and there's no one on the, on, on the left side, like even the, 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 the third baseman's, you know, out in right field, even the freaking left fielders out in like, you know, center field. And there's just wide open space on the, on the left side. And you're like, all he has to do is just poke his bat out there and it's a base hit every single time. And hitters just refuse to adapt to it. And I think really that's kind of what, what the problem is here. Is, and the and league is kind of like, okay, if the hitters aren't going to adapt to it, then we're going to make you, a, we're going to make the defense kind of, uh, we're, we're, we're going to hold back the, the, the defense. And I would argue that shifts on that level aren't really natural baseball to me. Like I think natural baseball is seeing people within a somewhat, you know, defined area of their position. I think it's kind of ridiculous to see nine players on, on one side of the field. Now you, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they do it because there are some, sh I think shifting within a certain amount of space is okay. Like, you know, cause a lot of times, I mean, we can get in the real, real nitty gritty of how you can shift de defensively de de depending on the situation. But um, yeah, I, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think that, just the shifts, the level that they're shifting is just so crazy to me. It's like, it's like, this is like getting ridiculous. Though um, I wonder if, if, if you put the, you're putting the onus on, you're putting the onus on the defense. You should be putting the onus on the offense. Cause as you mentioned, well, that's what people have been arguing for years. It's like, why don't people just bunt over there? And like, that's, that's, I guess that's my point. But they're it, not doing it. It's that this league, but, but to be fair, this league is pushing for, is pushing for home runs is pushing for, is pushing for long hits. Right. And, and that we're getting more strikeouts as a result, but we're also getting, we're, we are getting more home runs. But from what I rem, from what I know about baseball, and it's not that much getting on base in general, you're that much closer to getting a run. So you, you think that maybe it, it would shift the other way. And it's basically like, I don't really care how you get a run, get on base. 
And I, all of a sudden the shift would, would not be shifting as far. I, that's my thought. I don't know, but yeah. it just like you should put the onus on the, on the, on the offense versus the defense. Yeah. I mean, again, like I, that is how it should work. You know, I definitely think that, you know, on in different levels of baseball, that's how it goes. Like you don't nearly, you don't in college baseball, you will never see shifts like that ever because like just players aren't that strong and they're not as good as, as, as these, as these big league guys that can just mash the ball over the fence. Um, um, so it, it's just, it's really only specific to this, to, 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 to this league and this style of play where, as you said, like home runs are, are, are they're, they're, they're the moneymaker. Um, so people are trying to hit home runs and I get it. Um, but you're, you are losing a lot of offense um, because the times that you just time the ball out just a little bit differently, you can get a line drive hit to right field, which is just as good as you mentioned, like runs are runs and hits are hits and getting on base is the most important thing. Um, but like I said, that's just not how the offense is being taught. And that's not just the, the, the culture of baseball, like just bunting isn't really a thing that a lot, it's very rare to see guys bunt or to, or to drag bunt. Um, but like I said, if you want to see that stuff, watch college baseball because that happens all the time. And it's, it's actually, it's, it's a different brand style of baseball. It's actually really fun. It's kind of the old school way of baseball in, in a sense, but yeah. So I, I, I do think the pitch clock is actually helpful. Um, they do it in college baseball as well. And I, I do think it does help speed up the game. It's just, it's unnecessary dead time. That doesn't need to be there. Like yeah, a, 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 a pitcher throws a pitch and takes 30, 30 seconds to throw his next pitch. It's just, that's way too much time. Um, so I do think that the pitch clock will be, it, it's, it's going to feel so fast at first, but I think people will eventually a, adapt to it. Uh, base sizes, apparently they, they did this in the minor leagues and apparently it did increase um, stolen base rates and it did in, in, in increase offense. Um, so that'll be, that one's an interesting one, um, kind of a small minor tweak, but apparently that comes out to some pretty big um, uh, benefits. Um, so yeah, the, the rule change, the, the, the shift one for me is definitely going to be the most contentious, contentious and the most controversial. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how they implement that and, and, and how they're going to make that happen because it's been such a, a heated topic of debate and such a huge strategy uh, with defense for the last four or five years. Um, James, what do you, what do you feel about this new, these new rule changes, the, the new CBA kind of same question. What, what do you like? What, 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 what don't you like? I'm going to sound like a broken record here because I'm going to say exactly the same thing that Traden had just said about something I don't like, and that's the shift. It's honestly like you're handicapping the defense when the defense has already handicapped itself. Why are you continuing to do that for somebody who's already done that to themselves? Like if, if you do this in football and you're taking away like a too high safety look because a quarterback can't throw deep against it, that kind of sucks. And if you do this against basketball and you take away zone defense because some people can't dunk on a zone defense, that sucks too. Let the game progress the way it progresses based off what the defense gives you. You and you as a hitter, people on offense should react to what defense gives you, not the other way around. And so now you're basing it off the fact that now defense has to be set in this spot and can't move more than five feet to the left or to the right of their designated spot because if they do, it's a penalty or it's a fucking I don't know a strike a ball. I don't, I don't even know how they're going to enforce it. No, I don't know. Either. But your your team will be penalized because you stepped a little too far or to the left or a little too far back to where you're supposed to stand. And that's really stringent, man. Like, let the game progress so it's going to progress because the game will evolve. And right now, it's evolving in a way that allows for shifts. And great. The rules allowed it at the time. And the game evolved that way. Stop trying to steer in a direction that you think it should go. Because typically, that's not how life works. You can't steer life the direction you want it to go. Life kind of just happens and you adapt to it. The game of baseball should be the same way. Adapt to the way it's happening and don't try to force it in the direction you think it should go. That's the way I see it. I don't like banning shifts. The game has been like that for a long time now, for a couple of years, especially, and how defenses like managers are strat 
like basing a strategy based off shifts and who's in the lineup at the time based off the shift. And I just take that away. Like it never existed. I don't like that at all. What I do like, however, universal DH, finally. The two leagues are the same. So now it's going to be, the numbers are going to be more or less the same based off of hits because now one team can actually hit, have a designated hitter spot, not have a pitcher hit. This didn't matter to the Angels because the Angels had Choi who could hit and pitch, but now, and also they played an AL, not the NL. But now you can see it across the board. And in years past, everyone started watching baseball religiously, I don't know, three or four years ago. And I'd watch NL games and I'd be like, wow, these pitchers aren't even trying. Like it, the pitcher who's throwing the ball to the pitcher who's hitting the ball is just wasting pitches because the pitcher hitting the ball is kind of just standing there waiting to either get walked or waiting to get struck out. They don't really try all that hard. And it's it's like a boring part of the game. Didn't like that. Now at University DH, I like that. Everybody's going to have the same amount of hitters. Great. And also, I love increased minimum salary. It's a long time coming. Now people get what they need because this is their livelihood. They dedicate their entire lives to it. They work more than eight hours a day. They should be paid for it. Love that. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of the universal DH. Um, you know, it was one of those, one of those topics that I was again on the fence about there's, there's part of the game. There's a, there, there's entertainment value to watching a pitcher hit. Um, and, but I think overall the game is better for having a DH in, in, in both leagues for the, for the reasons um, James mentioned. Um, I think, I, I think it's going to be good. Um, I'm, I'm personally pretty excited about it. I mean, I think it, it gives, chances to just add more offense to, to make your lineup better um nelson cruz you know one of the you know there's very there's very few like just pure dh guys in um in the league nelson cruz is is, is one of those um obviously he's been in the american league his entire career be, because of that he signed with the washington nationals today and at first you're like nelson cruz the nationals you're like oh yeah they they, they have the dh now in, in the national league so that makes way more sense so um, that'll be definitely very interesting to um, see how it goes. I've always liked it when, you know, nationally teams would play at an American league ballpark and it added, they, they, they got to play by the American league rules, but by having that DH and I've always liked it. Um, so I will, I will honestly miss seeing some pitchers hit a little bit, but I think I'll like the added offense more than I'll miss the pitchers hitting. Um, Cause like I said, it's just so some pitchers take it seriously and do a really great job. But even the ones that do a great job, they're not even close to the level that a normal hitter, a professional hitter can do that job. And um, the ones that don't, obviously, the ones that don't even try, so them just like go up there and just try not to get hit by a pitch. Um, that's just not, that's not good baseball. You don't want to see that. So, um, yeah, and uh, for me, um, I think one of the most interesting things is going to be the expanded playoffs. Um that that one's going to be interesting to see how that how how, how that plays out. Um, just so you guys know how how that bracket's going to work. Um, so obviously the three division winners in each league make it, and then there's going to be three three wild card spots. Um, the the first round, which is going to be the wild card round, is going to be a best of three series, and it's going to be played. So the the first the top two division winners in the league get a buy. Um, so they do not play in the wild card round. Um, so basically, there's seeds one through six, right for 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 for, for each league. Um, then uh, the, the bottom division winner is going to play the bottom wild card. So three, six, and then the other two wild cards, four, five will play each other best of three. Then the winners of that obviously will advance to go to play the uh, uh, divisional round. And then we go on progress like normal, uh, normal postseason from there. Um, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it just adds ac- extra excitement for teams down the stretch. Um, I, a lot of, you know, in, during these negotiations, a lot of the owners are trying to push for 14 teams. 
And I was like, God, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, what I don't like about some of like the NHL's NBA's is like, you see some of those, there, there, there's 16 teams that make it that, that that's more than half the league. And usually the bottom, like two or three teams of the, of those 16 are like really not very good. And it just doesn't make that first round that exciting for me. Um, so I think you really kind of want to make sure you narrow it down to teams that can actually potentially win a championship in that window. Um, like you don't want to see teams that have losing records in the postseason period in, 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 in any sport. Um, I think 12 is probably, in my opinion, probably the max number of teams that would actually make it competitive. Um, so I think it'll be cool to see. Uh, we get a first round by for the first time. That'll be interesting. Um, so that's how that works. Um, yeah, things I don't like. Um, honestly, I'm, I, I can't complain about it too much. Um, I, I'm, I'm just happy that uh, it'll be back. Hopefully the, uh, the advertising on, on, the, on the uniforms looks clean. The way that other leagues have done it, it looks clean. So I'm assuming it's going to be the same. It's probably not going to be too much of a distraction. Um, I'm happy for all the economic parts of it, stuff that I never thought I would really know much about. I've learned so much about all this stuff during, during these uh, negotiations. Um, I think that the players for the most part got what they wanted. Was it perfect? No, but you know, they, they got, they, they, they took huge uh, steps forward. So I think overall, everything that was done is, is, is going to be good for the game. Like I said, moving forward, I think as we kind of, as we kind of mentioned in, in this, in this segment, I think probably the most contentious point is going to be the shift. So we're going to keep talking about it and we're going to kind of keep seeing how they're going to uh, implement that. Um, but Guys, baseball is back. Spring training is back. Uh, we can look forward to that. Um, the next uh, three weeks, I'm going to be doing some division previews uh, with the guys, and then that's going to lead us up right into opening day in about four weeks here. So hopefully you guys are excited that baseball is back. MLB Odams are back. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's happy times, hopefully, for, for all you guys. But let us know what you guys think about the new CBA, anything you agree, don't agree with. Uh, but hopefully we can all agree that baseball is back, and that's the most important thing. Yes, thank you, Tyler. That I, I'm pretty excited. Um, James and I will be at, at opening day for the uh, for the Angels. Um, I'm actually uh, we're actually planning on Kylie and I and everybody who is involved with our wedding is more than welcome to join us for Saturday, the day after our wedding. We're going to see the the now Tyler. Are they changing the games that have already been scheduled that weren't canceled? Like, um, or has everything changed? So the games, I, I don't think they have officially released that new schedule yet and how they're going to make up that first week of games yet. But the games that are scheduled from April 7th on are going to be as, as, as normal. So, oh, okay, okay, um, okay. so they're going to have double headers to make up those other games um, and, and all that stuff. I don't, to my knowledge that has not been released yet, but everything happening from April 7th on that was originally in there is going to be played. Good so again, I extend my invitation to everybody who wants to, um, as many people as they want, we're going to try and go see the Blue Jays play, um, play the, the Angels on the 28th of March or May, excuse me. Um, and uh, we'd love to maybe see you there um, and meet you guys. Uh, and I'll be a married man that day. Uh, I'll be the next day, but yeah. Um, uh, before, so Tyler, thank you. Before I move on, I just want to quickly um, talk about Tyler's uh, music draft. Um, Tyler or James brought me, gave me the, uh, oh, no. the, the, the breakdown on, uh, on social media and James uh, won by landslide. He won uh, 79% of the votes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He absolutely <laughs> destroyed us. So obviously James is, is, is made for, uh, event planning. Um, and, uh, I got 14% of the votes and, and Tyler, you got a measly seven. Um, oh, shit. I demand a recount. 
<laughs> if it was close, I'd say the same, but it's not even in the ballpark. Um, so um, congratulations, James. Looks like you're a, you're a smart musical genius. Um, I, think, I think James also has just, just his better friends on social media. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to see how many Venmos went out of his uh, his account last. Uh, yeah, last right. Yeah, we got to look at yeah, that. That is a class Collusion. that you'll never see. <laughs> Collusion. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, when we come back, we're going to, we're going to, um, talk about hockey. Uh, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. This is a, it's a two-parter. Um, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that and we come back. And welcome back, everybody. I, um, thank you guys for sticking with us um, all the way through the hockey segment. Um, we're going to be talking the, uh, the the NHL trade deadline. It is next week, next Monday to be exact, month uh, week from today. Um, at this time, we will know what the final teams are um, going into going into the stretch here. Um, so I, I decided we, we do a little bit of a, a two part series here. Um, usually, you'll get my one my ones. You know, one good thing, one bad thing. This is we're just going to change things up a little bit for the next two weeks. I want to kind of set up the trade deadline from our perspective, kind of give you guys an idea of what to look for over the next week. We've already had a a, a trade today, so it, things are already starting to 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 happen. Uh, and then we're gonna we're you know we'll wheel back and and kind of give a a, a a final you know tie the bow on on the trade deadline. Um, give our give our um, you know our thoughts and an analysis on uh on what actually happened so um i asked the guys to kind of um you know pick a team that they you know they uh wanted to they thought that would be interesting during uh to to look at during the trade deadline whether it be a seller or buyer uh, at this time um it, you know the, the standings are are, pr- are pretty set in the east we've said that multiple times on this podcast the west is very much in in the balance i mean there's so much there's so much going on in the west um, and I'm not even going to get into it because if you just read my um, power rankings, that'll give you everything you need to know. Um, and I guess we're going to start with, uh, I want to start with James, um, you know, trade deadlines next week. A um, lot to think about uh, a lot of teams that we thought would be buyers are now potentially sellers and vice versa. Um, and, you know, before we get into your guys's teams, I want, you know, what, what team kind of intrigues you the most going into the trade deadline here? The Boston Bruins. Oh, okay. Yeah, really kind of threw you off there. The Boston Bruins need a second line center. Everybody, okay. they need somebody who uh, who can really handle that puck. And they have an issue with Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque wants out of Boston. He's been saying that for a very long time. He's demanded a trade. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time, and then he got moved up to the first line, which moved I think Poshnok back down a line. Um, so the perfection line got broken up because Jake DeBrusque wanted more time and wanted to get traded. Boom. We'll fix that right now. We trade him for Claude Giroux for the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay. Claude Giroux is on the last year of an expiring contract. He's 34 years of age. He can play both left wing and center positions. And he moved to being, he was a wing at first, but he moved to being a center in the AHL. Was really great there. As of right now, he has 17 goals and 24 assists, 41 points to 55 games. He's actually third in the NHL in, win, in face-off win percent rate at 61%. He's only made the Stanley Cup one time and has never won it. Philadelphia Flyers are the bottom of the division. They're not doing great. Will they resign Claude Giroux? I don't know. But hey, let's get rid of him now because he's on the last year of an expiring contract. And hey, right, it's the fact of the matter is he has a no trade clause and he's highly regarded in Philadelphia. Will he waive to go to Boston? 
for the potential to win a Stanley Cup? Maybe. At 34 years old, he's not exactly the youngest guy out there who will have years and years and years more of hockey left in him at a high quality rate. I think the move to Boston is going to be great because now you can move the perfection line back together. Jake DeBrusque will be gone. So there goes that, you know, just bad juju, bad vibes. That's gone. And you have Claude Giroux to center Taylor Hall. How good would that be? Your first line and your second line will be fantastic. And from that point forward, do you really have, do you really need much else? It would, Taylor Hall's speed and Claude Giroux's overall just great ability. It's going to be a great line. Not exactly the perfection line, but a great line nonetheless. Uh, DeBrusque is 25 years old. The Philadelphia Flyers want to, might want to build around him. He is a good talent, and he's young. Definitely going to be a fixture for the Flyers for years to come. And the best part about this is the Bruins have about $6 million in cap space right now, and getting rid of DeBrusque will add three more million. Claude Giroux has an $8 million cap hit. They can make this happen. Yeah, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think you're bang on here, actually, with with especially with the Bruins in particular. I mean, I'm I'm the, you you said you were gonna throw a mo- like throw a, a fastball down that I mean or a curveball like this is this is like Claude Giroux though. I oh, don't think Claude Giroux would ever get moved. Absolutely, I could see Claude Giroux going to the Boston Bruins, um, and especially oh if the money can work. especially if the money can work. Um, and you know, the, the Bruins are, are are dealing with with a Patrice Bergeron window that is quickly going away it's quickly shrinking um this whole core is quickly shrinking um and i don't i would not be surprised you know the bruins are going to have to there will be a time where they have to focus on building after after uh patrice bergeron but i think that could happen maybe next year this is this year i think that they're going to try to go for it and you know i i i don't think the prospects i, I don't think the 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 there's a lot of opportunity for them to pick up some, some, some players such as Claude, Claude Giroux, who will be traded at the deadline for sure. There's no doubt. Um, he is going to be moved. It's just a matter of where even he knows that it's time. I think he wants to, I think he truly wants. I mean, I, as much as he, he eats, leaves, sleeps and breathes the, the, the Philadelphia Flyers. In fact, he's going to play his thousandth game um, this week. So there he is going to get, he's going to get the opportunity to, to have his thousandth game in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, if if the Philadelphia Flyers don't don't bench him the rest of the uh, the game, like he'll get one shift and then they'll bench him the rest of the game, he'll be benched for the rest of the rest of this week and then he'll he'll be traded by the by the deadline uh, to a team such as the Bruins that are looking for that type of that type of player that can that can um, you know formalize maybe a second line. Um, I, I, I like the idea of sending out Jake DeBrusque. He has played a lot better this season. And and here's the thing about the Boston Bruins: they have acknowledged to Jake DeBrusque that yes, we understand you want to, you, you want a, you want your way out, but it's going to be on our terms. It's going to be, it's going to be when we can maximize your value. And he's played very well to, um, to, to kind of make up for that. I don't know where that stands right now. It's, it, it, we haven't, it's kind of gone dead. So I'm not sure, you know, he, he, he hasn't said anything since. And, and, you know, it, this could be, you know, um, a, a situation kind of, um, you, you know, we've seen this before where a team or a player, says that he wants out and then he actually plays fairly well the next year. And then he ends up staying. I don't, but you know, he seems like a perfect opportunity, you know, a perfect type of player that you could send to um, you could send to Philly. He, he is an RFA after this year. So they do have some, they will have his rights to uh, they, they basically will own him. So, to, so to speak um, the Philadelphia Flyers would, so that's not a, that's not a terrible, terrible um, trade at all. I actually, I actually don't mind it. There will be obviously some other things that you'd have to weigh. Like, I think you're going to have to send a few picks. 
um, the other way. They have plenty of, of, uh, of picks to, 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 to move. So that, that's not a problem. Um, so James, that, that, I think you're right in the wheelhouse. I think you're right in the wheelhouse. Um, I, the Bruins are going to be avid buyers, I think, especially because they're playing quite well this season. Um, you know, they're obviously going to make the playoffs. Their window's closing. This is, this may be their last chance um, with this course. So damn James, good job, man. Um, I surprised myself on that one. <laughs> Finally, who, who, uh, who, who intrigues you uh, going into trade that on here? Yeah. So James, James of the buyer. So I'm going to go with the seller. Uh, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be, are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, look, I mean, we've talked on this podcast before, like how much of a disarray this organization is in and they're, they're really trying to, uh, to clean house, so to speak, and, and really try to move a different direction. Um, they're not really anywhere close to it, to a playoff spot. Um, and they just got a lot, a few contracts in there that they could get some cap space for, maybe get some guys that they can, um, uh, come, 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 come back with. Um, I definitely think Mark Andre Fleury is going to be traded at, at some point. Um, you know, mm. even Patrick Kane, I know that sounds pretty crazy to not see him, but look, this guy's, I think, I think he's got, I don't know if it's, this is his last year or next year's last yeah, year. One more year. Yeah. Next year's last year. So, I mean, but that could be a valuable asset as far as, as far as the trade goes, because you not only have him for the remainder of this season, but then you have him for, for one more season there. So that can get a lot in return. For, for, for Chicago, obviously getting one of the greatest of all time. He can still play very, very, very good hockey. Maybe not his prime anymore, but still in a, in a, an amazing hockey player that can definitely benefit some 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 teams that need a, a little extra uh, playmaking ability. Um, yeah, like, so like I said, I, I really think this organization is trying to, to, to turn the corner and kind of move past kind of what was an amazing elite um, dynasty there that they had kind of uh, – the, in, in, the, in the past 10, 15 years or so. So um, I, I see the Chicago Blackhawks trying to move as many pieces as possible to get as much as they can in return. Um, and I definitely think I would not be surprised if you see Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane in a different jersey um, by the, by the, the uh, 21st. You know, I would not be so shocked either. Um, here's the thing. The, the GM came in, the GM came in and basically said to everyone, the team, the media, this is rebuild time. I mean, they're rebuilding their image based, you know, with that whole issue they've, they've dealt with earlier in the season. Um, they're dealing with a team that is clearly a, a core that's clearly done it, you know, done their business and, and they're, they're aging out um, and they're, they're bringing on they're, They are going for a full rebuild, tearing everything down. Um, now they, he did say that both Tain, Tay, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane will be involved. And what I mean by that is that they are going to be given the entire the layout, the outline of what's going to happen over the next two years. And they're going to have the decision of what they want to do. If I'm Patrick Kane, given my given, I mean, they both have no movement clauses. So they really, they hold all the, they hold all the power. Um, but you could see Patrick Kane, like, you know what, send me to send me wherever I'll let you know where I'll let you know where I'd like to go. I'll waive my no trade and uh, or no movement clause. And we could see him go on a run. Um, and that, I think that's what he would be hungry for. Um, he is, he, it's a $10.5 million cap hit for the next two years. It, Chicago would have enough room to retain. So he becomes even more valuable there. As for the other big one, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I am not necessarily convinced yet that he is going to be moved. And, and the reason is, is because I don't know where Marc-Andre Fleury's head's at. He's another one, has a notified no trade clause. He's going to dictate if he wants to go anywhere. Toronto, he's not going to Toronto. Sorry, Toronto fans. He's no 
he's not fucking going to Toronto. Why would he go to Toronto there there when where they're 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 already burning down the houses of all the all the goalies there? Why would he want to go into that toxic environment? He's not going there. Sorry guys. Um he he could go to other places, but he's gonna dictate what where that is. Um I he, I don't think he's going to any Canadian teams. Um I can see the only other option, you know, the some of the options I can see is you know. Um, you could see him go to Colorado. You could see him go to the Minnesota. Um, but to be honest, he, I don't know where he's at. I mean, he's gone through a lot in the last couple of years, guys. I mean, he's been, he's been moved for nothing from Vegas. He's had the issues with, with his agent and Leonard and the golden Knights. He's gone through a lot. And, and, you know, I would not be shocked if he looks at management and says, guys, I, I just want to take, I, I just want to finish the season April 30th and just take a long extended summer he's won cups he's he's done everything he needs to do and, and he'll reevaluate i mean i i don't know if he's going to tyler but you have to you have to think you have to at least have to appreciate that he has every right to to think that way um and you know maybe he's competitive and and and, do, and you know doesn't want to spend as much time or doesn't care to spend as much time with his family when he's 37 and he doesn't have much time to win another cup that that could be a thought we haven't heard anything i don't even know what to think so um, they're going to be as aggressive with him as they, as he allows them to. Um, and, and I would say besides, besides the two big guys in, in Kane and Taze, he's definitely the highest value for sure. Um, but, you know, he, he could, he could just go say fly kite. I, I, I want to just, I want to just spend the time with my family for just two extra months. And, you know, can we blame him for everything that he's gone through? I don't think we can um it's not like a carry price situation when i say carry price situation guys not want a cup he's one of the best goaltenders ever play and he would have an opportunity to go somewhere else um he's won um and he's done quite well um so i i don't know i i don't know what to say um are there any other uh any other teams that you guys wanted to talk about before we get into your guys teams or nah. all right tyler who you got i said nah but we're not <laughs> Nah. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just quickly. I also, I also one, one other, one other, sorry, one other, one other team I do think is is going to be uh, be a seller is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I think that that team is kind of spiraling a little bit and and got some talent that they can move. Um, and another, and then one other buyer I think out in the West. I think there's a lot of buyers out in the West, but I think one to look for would be the Minnesota Wild, just because I feel like they've been so consistently like in a playoff spot for so long, but never really gone that far, like. I don't know if this is the year necessarily to really go for it, but like, I think their fans are sick and tired of just making the playoffs every year. Like, I think, I think they want to win a championship. Tyler, when you're looking at Minnesota, they're three and eight in their last 10. This team is not right now and goaltending right now. It's goaltending. I've said this, I've said this on, um, um, on my power rankings a couple of times, the, the trade deadline, you don't typically see very many goalies moved it's kind of like a quarterback in the NFL. Like how many quarterbacks are traded at trade deadline? James, like Jimmy G was to the Niners at trade deadline four years ago. It could happen. Yeah, four years ago. It's once. I mean, usually you, you just, you, you have what you have and you're just going to ride it out. I mean, we could see Mark Andre Fleury move, but I don't know. Jonas Coposalo from Columbus, Tyler, maybe, um, but he hasn't played great. <laughs> like the, the pool is not very great for teams that need goaltenders. I'm looking at Minnesota. I'm looking at Edmonton. I'm looking at Toronto. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know where the, I don't know where you go. It's a, it, they're typically off season moves that you make. They're not, you know, you're not bringing in a rental goalie. Sometimes you, you may, I mean, the Oilers did in 2006. <laughs> like that was, 
you know, that was a long time ago. Desperate so. times. Desperate times. True. <laughs> True. It's just who, it's just who is there? This is the question. So we'll, it, it'll be interesting to see where, where those teams that need goaltenders are, what they're going to do. Um, let's talk about your guys' teams. James, I want to talk about the Anaheim Ducks. Metaphorically, I think the Ducks have raised the white flag. Um, and, oh, absolutely. And, and I say that because they've moved out Josh Manson. Uh, they moved uh, to be, to be exact. Um, Josh Manson was traded to uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche in, in return for Drew Hellison, who's an AHL, um, I think he's a defenseman, um, and a 2023 second round draft pick. Um, and the Ducks retained half of uh, Josh, Josh Manson's um, salary. Um, I look at this trade and at first, at first glance, I'm like, wow, you got, the Ducks got completely fleeced. And then I actually thought about it and I'm like, Josh Manson's on his last year. You're ta- you're, you're bringing in $2 million when you're not even going to go for it. I, I don't really care about that. I don't know how Joe Sackick being the GM. I mean, he's a former uh, captain of the Colorado Avalanche, one of the best to ever play in Colorado manages to get these high quality players for a second round pick drew hellison i don't know what to expect from him he did play with zegris which might be good but also managed to to, to get a retainment of salary i mean I, I don't know how the fuck he does that um but it does show you the value of of those types of players which i thought would be a lot higher but james um i just want your thoughts maybe quickly on the trade but also on your team like where, where like what, what do you what do you uh are you expecting anything major the next week here yeah, I'm definitely expecting major things because the Ducks are doing just fine. The Ducks were rolling. And then the whole COVID break thing happened where a bunch of teams scheduled, rescheduled games and they couldn't find the right footing again. Because then that happened and then the All-Star break happened and then it never seemed to regain momentum. And then now they just suck. I've literally watched all of the last five games that they played. This Eastern, Eastern road trip they've had is just bad, man. There's... John Gibson is having a terrible time right now. The defense is having a terrible time. The forwards can't keep the puck to save their lives. They lose it after every second or third pass. It's not looking good. The Ducks are done. Um, I don't expect them to win more than five games for the rest of the season. Probably. It's bad. Uh, Dallas Aikens, I want you gone. Please leave. Okay, moving on to the actual, you know, trades of it all. The Josh Manson trade, I don't – it hurts as a fan because Josh Manson was – like, he was a good player. He was our assistant captain. He just literally came back from injury three games ago. He's out here playing his heart out. Last night, got into a fight. Or two nights ago, got into a fight when he was playing against the Islanders. Like, he's playing as hard as he possibly can all the time, and now he's gone, which sucks. Huge hit on our defense, once again. Um, but the two players I think that are most likely to be traded are Ricard Raquel and Hampus Lindholm. Actually, more so just Ricard Raquel. I think the Ducks are going to keep Hampus Lindholm because – the learning curve for a defenseman in the NHL is pretty high. It takes a defenseman on average, I don't know, another season than it does for a forward to kind of get acclimated to NHL style games and the intricacies of it and all of that. So I think they want to keep a good defenseman on their side in order to keep, if they're going to contend next year or if they're going to continue to rebuild to kind of set the culture, set the tone for defensemen coming in right after them. In terms of forwards, the Ducks have a lot of them. They have a lot of young forwards who have potential talent, and I think that's what they're trying to see right now. Ricard Raquel, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's probably gone. He hasn't been performing that great as of late. He scored a couple goals here and there recently, but as this year as a whole, not that effective, not as effective as he could be or should be. So he's most likely out of here, which sucks to say as well. Also great guy. 
But it, that's what happens when you're older and you have a lot of really great forwards coming up. And the Ducks are just S-E-L-L-E-R-S. The sellers. They're done. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I mean, the, the, the two last trade chips that I, that I see here, I mean, I, I can see Nick Delorier moving to a, to a team that's looking for absolute. The thing I don't like about Delorier, I don't think they're going to move Delorier because Delorier is a character guy. Like for he sure. is the kind, he's like, he's a good character and he is a goon. He fights people. So do you think that they sets a tone after this year? Cause he's only at 1 million. Do you, do you yeah, think? absolutely. He's not going to be like, he's not going to demand this huge contract. True. Like he, he he performs averagely, who's gotten a little bit better each and every year. But the fact of the matter, he's his his game is based off strength, and he's now is finding some intricacies in his offensive game and seeing how that works. But the fact of the matter is, he's not going to be valued as high as somebody that True. than like a Rick Arbuckle. Nick Delore is going to stay with the Ducks because he is a good character guy and will back up players when needed. So I I think I think you, you're you're very you're prudent in your thought process behind what. Nick Delorier brings. I just I, what, what we need to find out. What management needs to find out is if he's willing to to resign. Because if he's not, get him out now. Take it. Take what you can. Whether it's a fourth round pick, fifth round pick, whatever. Um, you you got. It. But if you have an idea that he he may resign no matter what, then maybe you still move him out and say, hey, you know what? We're gonna move you. You go for a cup. You come back. We sign you, and you you continue being a, a another role player. Or they won't. It it kind of will depend on a couple things. One, where is his head at? Two. Is there a team looking for that type of player? He might be the toughest player in the NHL. I mean, there's I think Luch, Luch takes that cake, bro. The, 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 I don't know. I mean, the reason I say that is because, because oh, he may take that cake, but you know, a, a team like Toronto needs that or a team like uh, I would say even Edmonton needs a player like that. We don't have, we have nurse and we, and, and, and uh, Zach Cassian can't do it anymore because he's a little pussy now that he signed his. Uh, he, I did he just break his jaw? He like, did just break his jaw. He that's broke probably why he can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but he, he didn't break his jaw off a punch. He broke his jaw off of a hit. Yeah, and but it's so fragile as hell, man. It's like he, one more hit and it re-breaks. Yeah, he's, I, you know, I, well, he's, he, his whole, after he signed his contract, he's been very disappointing. Um, Ricard Raquel is, is on his way out. I will say um, that that's a no-brainer. The, the Hampus Lindholm one is interesting. Um, I, I don't know where, where their heads out. I think they've, I think they're trying to sign him, but if they can't, uh, that he, he will be moved. Um, but other than that, um, I think you guys are just going to try and sell those guys, bank as many draft picks and prospects as you can. And, and, um, you know, work, to, work towards your Trevor's Egress your Troy Terry's, um, you know, and your, uh, um, and your Dramey Drysdale's, um, make sure that, make sure those players are, uh, you know, those cores are, are continuing to grow. Uh, Tyler, let's talk about your LA Kings. Completely yeah. different story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. sitting second in the Pacific ahead of the Edmonton Oilers, just below the, uh, the um, excuse me, uh, uh, Calgary Flames. Clearly, these guys are buyers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're anything, they're not sellers. That's for sure. Uh, they're clearly uh, the buyers. Uh, what are your thoughts going into trade deadline? Um, what do you think? What do you think you guys need going into deadline? Yeah, first of all, I just trade. I don't. I wanted to know if if you saw the uh, game last night when the the Kings beat the Florida Panthers in a shootout. But did you see Martin Furk's game tying goal with like three seconds left in the game? The absolute, I, I the absolute, he has Starship Enterprise laser that he teed up there. Uh, <laughs> really? It was, if you haven't watched it yet, you got to watch it. So Martin Furk, if you guys don't know, he's like set the, I think he actually has the world record for hardest slap shot ever. Oh yeah. He has. Yeah. So he, this dude 
goes in he's on the ice for one reason and that's to do exactly what he did to tie the game up i think it was uh it was like less than 10 seconds left in the game it was like a last second ditch effort they they, they tied it up they were on a six on four i believe because they were on a power play plus they they uh pulled pulled the goalie um and it was just i was watching it live and i like freaking jumped out of my seat it was it was an umbo it was I, I think they clocked it at 95 miles an hour um so it was yeah it was a it was a laser um, and then they ended up winning in the uh, shootout to beat Florida, which is a uh, huge win there for the Kings. The Kings have been dominating the Eastern Conference. For some reason, we can't beat San Jose. I don't know why, but we can at least beat the, the, the Eastern Conference pretty well. So if we make the, make, make the final, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, it's a matter if we can get out of the freaking Western Conference or not. Um, but, yeah, definitely, buyers. It's, it's definitely an in, in exciting time. Um, I think that they're gonna. I think they're gonna make a pretty big move because listen, like the, the 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 Kings in their two Stanley Cup runs, that they were very active. They got a big name shooter that really could really help them score going into the postseason. That Jeff Carter trade when they won the, the 2012 Cup and the um, uh, Marion Gabbert trade when they won the 2014 Cup. Um, so they've been known to do this, and they have assets. They have trade assets. They've they've, they've, they've built up their 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 farm system. If they can figure out the whole cap space thing. That's obviously a huge part of, you know, the game that I'm as familiar with. That's not why I get paid the, the, the big bucks to be a GM, but I think they go out. I think it could be a Claude Giroux type of person, but another need I feel like they need almost more of is a defenseman because they've been pretty riddled, riddled with injuries on, on, on the, on the de- defensive side. They're obviously they, they're, they're, they're star defenseman Dowdy's out right now for an, an, an unknown amount of time. Uh, we had another defenseman or the last, uh, starting defenseman on, on opening day, uh, Tobias uh, Bjornfoot went down with injury uh, last night. Um, so we're definitely hurting a little bit on, on, on the defensive side. So I think they go with a defenseman that really like, I want his, 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 uh, his main thing to be make, make I want a playmaker on either the power player or the penalty kill, probably both. Because for me, as I mentioned, I think we mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago, my biggest concern with the Kings is their, is their special teams. Their special teams suck. Like last night, uh, they, they, they were on a power play uh, to begin this, the second period and let in a shorthanded goal with in like, in, in like eight seconds. Like it, and that's happened several times. I, I don't know where they – I think I heard a stat there, like probably one of the worst like teams in the league in terms of giving up shorthanded goals. Like they're not good at either of them. They're not, they're, so they need to figure – they need to get a guy that is a good special teams. If you can get a good special teams de- defenseman, I think that would be a big win. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, but the guy in Montreal, is it Ben Chirot? Ben Chirot. Ha. It's not, it's not uh, Chirot? No, no, it's Chirot. Chirot. All right, Chirot. Uh, this is a guy that I like uh, of all the defensemen that I saw that were kind of on, on the block. I think he's the one that could fit in best uh, with, 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 the, with the Kings system. Um, so that, that's one that I'm looking for the Kings to go. And I, I said, I also mentioned Claude Giroux. Um, I think typically they, they, they have gone for that for that forward type of presence, that, that, that guy that can give him some, some um, scoring ability. But I don't know. I, I think forward-wise and, and, and center-wise, the Kings are actually pretty solid right now. I think it's more on the defensive side of the puck that they could use some help with. So I'm looking for them to get a big-name defenseman at the uh, deadline. So the, the re- I'm going to push back a little bit. And, and I'm not going to push back in your thought process because I, I think you're fine. I think you're right. I just don't know how aggressive they're going to be, even with all the injuries that happened. Because – the team kind of kickstarted their rebuild. They're in the right direction. 
I just, I, I just was, I just wonder what Rob Blake's thinking going, going at this point. Is he thinking, oh, we're absolutely going to go for it, and we're going to get rid of, and we're going to get rid of some great prospects, or if a right deal comes around, then we're gonna, then we're gonna be there. I don't think that if, if, if there's one player that's put on a, put on a, a block for an auction, I don't think that they're going to be the ones that are trampling over everybody to get to that player. I think if the right move, if, if there's a right, or if there's a right fit or a right or a, a, a right deal to come around. Yeah, I think they're. I think they'll go for it. I don't know how aggressive they're going to be when when you know Colorado is going to be extremely aggressive. Toronto is going to be extreme, especially on the defensive front. Um, uh, uh, I'm, uh, whom I think uh, Florida is going to be aggressive. T- Tampa Bay is always in there. I mean, those uh, Carolina. Those are the top top t- teams that look at themselves and like, yeah, we are in win now mode. Absolutely. And while the while the Kings are in a much better position than we thought, I don't know that they're necessarily in Winamo yet. Albeit Drew Doughty is is getting of age, this might be the time to go for it. But it, it really depends on it. It really depends on um, on if the right deal, in my opinion. Um, so you, they they might go aggressive. I just don't know that. I just don't know if they're if they're going to get rid of um, all that capital for a potential run when when you look around the league and. And those teams in the East, they're, they're tough. And even the teams in the West, I mean, you're facing, I think you can get through the Oilers if you went today. I mean, at this point, I think you could beat the Oilers, to be honest. Although I think we'd give you a good, I think it would give you a good run. I think you could make, make a pass them, but then you're going to have to face the Calgary Flames eventually or the Colorado Avalanche or um, even the, the St. Louis Blues who are sneaky good. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It really kind of, I, I don't know that it's necessarily time to, to, to sell the farm to get there, but maybe they will be aggressive. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think, I think my, my response to that is I, I do, I don't think it'd be smart to completely just sell everything, put all, don't go all in. Um, but I think they are going to make some moves. And the reason why I do think that they're going to do that and be fairly aggressive um, is because of, as you mentioned, kind of those old veteran guys, the Kopitar's Dowdy's quicks Browns, like they kept these guys for a reason. They kept these guys because they have that experience and they, they still want to win with this core group of guys. Like otherwise, they would have traded him during the, the the this rebuild and completely gone from scratch. They kept these guys because they believe that they had a window of opportunity to win with those guys. But do you really want to risk a whole another year of rebuilding to get to that point? Can can the Kopies, Dowdies, Quicks, can they can their bodies hold up to be not not just to play hockey, but to play the elite level hockey that they are? You know, like you know, Kopitar's having another great season as, you, as, as as always. So is Dowdy. But they're not in their prime anymore. Like, like, like. Let's be honest. They're not the same uh, guys that we saw in those uh, in those uh, cup runs. Sa- uh, same with Quick. Um, they're just they're not quite at that level. They're still very good. Um, they're definitely the leaders on this team. But can you afford another year or two of this kind of of this rebuild and waiting and waiting and waiting because you just don't know. And right now we're we're playing so well right now. I think there's a lot of mo- momentum going with this Kings right now that why not make a move right now and try to win one more cup with these guys? Cause like I said, I don't know how much longer you want to wait with those older guys, because like I said, I, I, they kept them for a reason. They, they kept them because they believe they saw that window of, of, of opportunity. And this might be that window right now when you have all those guys that are healthy and playing well, because I, again, like going forward, they may, they, they may dip in production. They, they might get hurt like that. That father time is going to catch up quick. So, um, that, that would be my, 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 uh, caveat to that, that that's, that's prudent thinking. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see where they, where the, the, the where it lies. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting just to give someone, just give everyone context. I'm looking at moneypock.com, which gives prediction percentages for, for playoff, um, playoff births. 
all there's a bunch of teams that are at 96 and above. I'm not going to count those because I'm basically saying they're in the playoffs. I'm not going to count teams that are below 10% because I don't care about them, but these are the teams that are still vying for a spot. Edmonton Oilers are at 82%, according to Money Puck. Nashville's at 77%. Dallas is at 61.8%. Vegas is at 55.3%, which I think is high. Wow. I, think they're at 55, I think they're literally at 50%. This team is reeling. This team is in trouble. And the only other team is Vancouver at 16.8%. Now, I know, we're, I, know I continue to talk about Vancouver, but I'm looking at, at Vegas, and Vegas is give, gave the playoffs to the Oilers so far. And they might be giving Vancouver an opportunity. I mean, 16.8 is a lot to, to do with Vancouver, but also a lot to do with how bad Vegas has been. And if Vegas doesn't figure it out, they will be missing the playoffs for the first time in their, in their um, uh, since they've been a team in the NHL. Um, Dallas, I don't know where they're going to be. They kind of, they kind of go up and down. Like I've said that on the, on my power rankings, um, keep an eye on all those teams, Winnipeg and, and all those teams below. I think you guys are done. Um, even though you have 8%, I just don't see you making it. Um, even Vancouver's tough, as we mentioned, but um, Vegas has really given them an opportunity at this point, let me tell you that. Um, so that's where we're at, guys. I mean, it's going to be an interesting run, uh, week this week. We've already seen a, a trade with, uh, you know, with Anaheim. Um, uh, you know, trade deadline is one of my favorite times because we really kind of see, you know, what teams are kind of thinking. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of those big, big teams that, desperately either need to make the playoffs or desperately need to go far in the playoffs they're going to be hungry we already seen colorado make a move and they're not done either they're not done either guys um and you know the only team that i would not that i would be not shocked if they did anything because their team i think right now is one of the most complete teams is the calgary flames i think they're looking at their team tyler Toffoli was there was their big move tree living took Toffoli, and he might look around and say let's fucking go we're good um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this week plays out. Um, unless there's anything else, guys, that is, uh, that is the trade deadline part one for the NHL. Um, tune in next week to, uh, to see what actually happened. We're going to, we'll, we'll go through the big trades, um, of the, of the day and, uh, um, and we'll, we'll give you, we'll give you our analysis on it. And then the, the final push begins. Um, and I think that makes the, uh, that, that does the podcast for us this week for, for week 89, um, please, uh, please like us on all the social media platforms that you see us on. Um, I believe the videos we're starting to stream these on the videos on Spotify, which, um, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty freaking cool. You can see us munching on food today, which was fun. Um, uh, and you know, until then, um, we hope you have a great week. Um, uh,